0: It's the Athleteer Podcast. Thank you so much, Brandon Egan for coming on this week. Um, I, before we even got started, you you're giving us the secrets, man. <laughs> and it's like I, I don't know they're not secrets, right? There's no such thing as secrets in this sport unless you ask Kale. But um, here's the thing, you guys do have a sp- unique. I I don't know if it's terribly unique, but I think it's fairly unique. Uh, uh practice schedule and 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 you were. Going through it and and it starts to make way too much sense. You guys practice at ten a.m. daily.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's our that's our our main time of practice, and we come in ten o'clock. Like from our side of it, like the things that we see are great about it. Like typically, we used to wake up at like six a.m. or five thirty. We'd come in, we'd run, we'd lift, or we you know we do our individual work at that time, and Then we'd go to school the rest of the day and come back in at three o'clock. Four o'clock, we practice, and you get done, showered up. It was like six o'clock. You're trying to run out and and eat, and it was sometimes getting later. Trying to prepare food at your house, whatever you're trying to do. And
0: impossible, by the way. Yeah, it it's impossible,
1: and not good for like you know. You don't want to be eating that late. All the things going on, or maybe you make quick choices or poor choices. But yes, yeah, so we changed it up. Now at ten a.m. we practice and we wrestle, and then in the afternoon we'll come in and we'll do our lift or our individual work and some of those things. And it, it's, um, it's nice. Our guys get a little bit more sleep. Um, they wake up at eight, um, or at eight o'clock, maybe they come in and roll out and get ready or do the things they need to. And then 10 o'clock of practice, right from practice, they go right to, uh, we got a cafeteria here. Um, and it's just a phenomenal spot where our guys go in, they get to eat for free they go in and have a, a great meal. And then they go to class, do all their class. And then we, we sometimes rotate their, um, lifting based on like what's best for them. You know, base, if they have class conflicts, sometimes, our guys might not be lifted entirely as a team but more as like up in little
0: pods and stuff but
1: yeah it works out really well that way we love it and it's
0: yeah I'm, i think we okay. do
1: it but i don't think it's super common
0: no i don't i don't either i, I don't know why like it's funny man i've i visited your campus i've visited i'd probably say i'd venture to say 80 percent of the the division one campuses across this country and I would always text coach and every time I would text him I'd be like, Hey, what time is practice tomorrow? I would like roll my eyes and go three o'clock here comes sir. Why are you practicing at three? <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's like, what? Like, give me aside from the fact that you did it in, in middle school and high school, give me a good reason why 3 PM is like the time. And it's, it just boggles my mind that there's never any thought that gets put into it. It can't be just that—that's what they've always done. Do you, th- do you think that's it?
1: Yeah, I—I I don't know. I've heard people say like, "Well, how do you do that with classes and stuff?" Like, the, to like, you block out a time that you that um, works for you. And I think it's pretty simple. Like for us, we found out we've had less conflicts at ten o'clock, and there's always conflicts, whether it was at worse. three o'clock or ten o'clock. Like, it doesn't matter. There's always conflicts with somebody based yeah. on the class they can't work around. But yeah, I don't. Know. Like that, you know, I don't know if, um, yeah, it, we, we thought about it, and I, I know we've heard other sports that you know I talked about the ideal time that you're just most focused, in. and we said, Man, we've been taking some of these opportunities and putting that into our lifting and our running, like, why not take that ideal time to what's most important to us as wrestlers and have it during the wrestling practice? And so that's what we made the shift, and
0: it's worked out really well, yeah, sure. Uh, my ass is kicked at 3 p.m., by the way. Like I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that gets up early. Joel is different. Joel, Joel stays up all night. I get up at 4.30 3.00 PM. My ass is kicked. Like, let's be honest about it. Like I, I got nothing for you. Now, if you I, want to talk about 6.00 PM, I could I can, can kind of see that, right? Like, all right, I get my second win, whatever, but 3.00 PM. My ass is kicked. Yeah. Me and uh,
1: one of my coaches, Marty Morgan, we laugh about it all the time at three o'clock we start yawning every single day, every day. Every as we day. were walking down to the dungeon in the resting room down there. We'd be yawning. It's still to this day. I mean, we got about 55 minutes here and we're going to start yawning, <laughs> at least for me. Next, got a couple hours, but uh,
0: yeah, 55
1: minutes. I'm going to be yawning. So we'll have to be done by then. But yeah, it's like the worst time I think. But,
0: hey, what do you think? Uh, what do you think J Rob thinks of 10 AM practices?
1: I, I think Jay's okay with it. Like, um, uh, I mean, his most important, the thing for him is like, how hard do you work? And he still talks about that. Like, every time I see him, it's, it's like, are the guys working hard? Like, that's what he says, you know, and as long as they're running sprints, they're, you know, like in his mind, like putting the, getting on that track and running, that was, you know, always a big thing for him, especially in the summer and stuff with the kind of the mindset of his camps and everything there, but his number one thing, are they working hard? Like he always says that. So whether it's ten or three, I think the most important thing is it working hard. Because when we were going at three o'clock, when when Jay was here, um, really similar at uh, ten o'clock, we might be pulling guys if they had breaks and doing individual work with them then. So
0: sure, like, sure.
1: At the end of the day, like you we're just trying to find a time that we thought was the was the best. And for us, the other thing is our cafeteria is like right outside our door, basically like our nutrition center, I should call it. Sure. And um, our guys go right from practice, they shower they run right up into and they get to eat so like the whole system just works out really well at that time
0: yeah it seems uh-huh. it seems like there's just more advantages to actually yeah. putting thought into your day am i crazy
1: yeah right yeah the only thing um jay used to have this circuit machine and it's still like if i see one of these pictures i still get nightmares and like just want to curl up in a ball but he had this little circuit machine down in our basement i don't know You've ever ever seen it, but it was as a true freshman, like there was one morning, like in preseason that you'd have to come in and you'd have to go around this thing and it'd be 50 seconds on and all the coaches around you and they're getting you to like max out as much as you can. And then you're basically failing um, before you're done with the 50 seconds and you got to quickly run to the next. And it was like 14 stations with curls and all those different things. And then as soon as you're done, he'd put you on the wall and you have to run wall sprints. And you have to get down and back three times in under 30 seconds. And if somebody didn't do it, it didn't count. And every time somebody would fail, somehow like after you failed like five, six times,
2: he must have slowed
1: down the time and he pretended like you made it. But you, people would be like throwing up. It was like, I based my week off whatever day, if I was Tuesday morning, like everything revolved around that Tuesday morning, like it had the fear of God in me. And I was, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that, uh, my freshman year of doing that. And then you get used to it and you kind of figure it out, but.
0: Well, figure yeah. it out. You say figure it out, but you, you just get stronger and bigger and faster. Like there's no, there's no figuring out those types of things. Like it's just, you acclimate, you don't figure it out. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You you get used to the suffering and you, you start to be able to, I guess, function within that suffering but but uh my first few times boy i tell you what those nights monday nights i wasn't sleeping i was up all night
0: really
1: fear fear of uh j Rob telling me i failed so
0: well okay you know one of the things that joel and i were speaking about before we had john and one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is like i t- and i told you we We try to focus on processes, right? And so you're you're talking about these legacy things that that J-Rob would always have y'all do. But throughout the years, for decades now, not just like a handful of years, for decades, the Gophers have been the place for upper weights. Um, You know, I think one of the things that goes really overlooked in a recruiting process is – History of the weight, right? If you're if you're a heavyweight, and you're going to Cornell, ugh, maybe that's a bad example. And you're going somewhere other, like, and you have the pick of every school in the country, and you're not going to Minnesota, you're foolish, just because of history at the rate at the weight. You just you're foolish, okay? What is it? What? Why? Why did Minnesota become heavyweight? You?
1: And I, I guess that's a, it's kind of a hard answer, but I would say this, I think a lot of it, you gotta give credit to the individuals that come here. And um, you, know, you look at like, you, you got Lesnar and you got, you know, Gable and you got Cole Conrad and Tony Nelson. And there's guys people forget about like three time all Americans, like Michael Cray and Some of these guys that were just, um, just great guys. But I think, I think a big part of it was the environment they were in, like being around guys. Um, seeing guys that have had success and being like wow like why can't i do this like other people before me have done this the bar set so high so that surely is part of it you know and i would want to say like i've seen success yeah yeah if you say upper weights you could look at guys like brett farr that i is a unique guy you know i mean he had just amazing matches or scott Schiller, who you know beats talks uh, and beat like lost the snyder who we end up seeing is, is this amazing wrestler And mm-hmm. but these guys coming out of high school like they just had some things about them. So to give the credit to them, like there was just something inside them that you could see as a coach. And I think there's the ability you sometimes guess wrong, but you see these guys and like, they're worth it in the way that they believe. And I remember those two guys, Brett Farr and Scott Schiller, and I use their stories a lot and uh, both end up um, wrestling, uh, you know, Schiller 97 and Far a little bit of time at 84 as well. But I remember when we recruited um um they were looking at some other schools and the other schools said to them, like, hey, why would you go there? Like you have this three-time All American or two-time All American in front of you. And um, and even a guy like Brent some maybe said, Man, I don't know if he can wrestle. He's today. gonna start. I don't
0: know if he's gonna start ever, right? I, yeah. like there wasn't like a like you, you you know when when you recruit Brock Lesnar from a junior college, he's gonna start, right? But but Brett, Farr, you don't know, right? Like oh. people are saying, like people are some people are saying, like, oh, I don't really know if he's
1: even division one, you know. Yeah. But my point is, like, what I knew was right about him, what I knew was about the, about Schiller, that was their mindset and the things that they said. And, and they both said something different times that I'm recruiting them, but they both said something that I remember at the moment sitting across the desk from them that I thought, wow, this is exactly what I heard from Schiller. You know, and, and it was um, the reasons all these people are telling them not to come there. You got this, you know, Kevin Steinhaus. He's this multiple-time All-American. Why would you go there? You know, Sonny Yeown. Why would you go there? And they said, "What well, the people don't understand is That's the reason I'm going. There. You know, that's, and that's why a I'm
0: going. Mm-hmm. That's why
1: I'm going. And so, you know, you talked about the heavyweights and these guys. I think, like, one, there's no no doubt you have to have an environment that's friendly and that's going to help these guys develop. And I think we've done a really good job of that. I think they've seen the path for them. But I also know that these guys have a mindset that is that has put them in that spot. And Gable Stevenson being the – I mean, he still is, you know, at a level that's just uh, above like some of the greatest competitors that I've been around. It's hard to understand his mind. Like, you know, we joke. And I told all this joke a million times. I remember when he was young and just coming into college and we're talking about like, Hey, this guy's really good at leg riding. And you got to be careful. Like you put, you know, like this, he goes, well, I'll he just...
0: doesn't give a rip.
1: <laughs> no, I go I'll just stand up and pull the leg out. And I was like, Duh. I I'm like, uh, that's not how it works. Gable." Uh, it, uh, yeah. That'd be great. but That doesn't work that way. And, you know, like well, that's what I'm gonna do. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you can have to learn the hard way. And so then he goes out there and he just stands up, pulls a leg out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like dang it.
0: <sighs> <laughs> Coach, all you gotta do is be a freak athlete with incredible intelligence, too. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, you well, hold on a second though. Like, so here's here's what's really interesting to me. and, and hopefully people that are listening to this podcast really um understand what those names you said a minute ago mean to the world of wrestling right because uh I think it gets passed up that I mean Gable Stevenson I've watched a lot of wrestling over the years he might be the greatest wrestler I've ever seen in my life um timing technique uh athleticism I don't I don't think I've ever seen anyone like him that said he's a completely different athlete than Cole Conrad. Come, like you couldn't be more stark opposite as far as an athlete goes. Okay. Now that's not taking anything away from Cole Conrad, but he's a big lumbering humongous man. What is it that you look for in a heavyweight? Cause those are two different. Now, obviously if you can get, I mean, Gable was, was number one in the country coming out of high school. So obviously you want that kid no matter what mm-hmm. weight class he's in right? But I don't think that Conrad was, okay? So what do you look for in a heavyweight when you're recruit? What are you looking for in Koi Hopke? I mean, in all of our
1: heavyweights or in all of our recruits, whether it's heavyweight or not, I would say the one thing that I see that has helped us be have success in and- uh, Cole Conrad is a great example that you're right. He was not the best guy initially coming out. Uh, Tony Nelson. Yeah. These guys were like guys coming out that you could see, um, in all fairness, you could see their senior year, like, well, making progress. Mm-hmm. But the difference is really the mindset in these guys, um, the way that they live their lives, like seeing how disciplined and dedicated they are. And, you know, we really try to recruit kids that are have that same mindset. Once you get guys like that on your team, then you see in the recruiting process, uh, guys are going to be following that same suit or are going to gravitate more towards our program if, if it's a fit for them. You know, if they have other things that they um, are looking forward to doing and when they go to college program, this might not be a fit for them. And you don't always guess right or sometimes you make mistakes. But I think in general, like the biggest thing is we look at them as individuals. You see things that are great in them, whether, you know, Cole Conrad was this, again, when you talk about mindset, he has a, he was a, one of the toughest dudes I ever met. Like, he, you know, he was fighting in Bellator. The problem was like, he was the champ. He couldn't get any fight. Nobody would fight him because like some of the goal, I think I could be wrong. I don't understand the MMA world perfectly, but is to have success, like build this resume. Yeah. Then I go to the UFC. Right. And I'm going to yeah. like, but I got to be smart and strategic on my way yeah. there. And sure. and then they come up against quote, Conrad and, and He keeps nobody fights him. Like nobody wants to fight him because like it's not gonna be a feeling. Look, this guy's gonna pummel you to death, and you know you're gonna have a loss, and then your career's and so at the end, the reason why Conrad got out of it was because people he it's like I'm trying to make some money and I'm trying to have success. Nobody will fight me. So eventually that was which you know, then he went he trained with Lesnar, and I I can't imagine what those guys were like. Like honestly, I'm sure Lesnar could tell you stories and you know, I've heard him talk about Conrad saying this guy could be in the UFC and could be a UFC
0: champ. Like, he's oh, just no doubt. Athlete. He, and by oh, the way, like, I'm not trying to take anything away. That that kid was a great athlete, yeah, right? like, great athlete. Like, people, he's got, I mean, he beat Monco, he got like he's smart, intelligent, he uh, super right good athlete, here. yeah. He had
1: it right here and he had the work ethic. But again, um, whether it's Gable, like, you know, like his abilities and everything's Conrad, um, Tony Nelson, like. <laughs> man tony like he had a really battle. like he had so many of those tough matches that were like a 3-2 win a 3-1 win where he's on top back then riding guys out he won so many matches with the ride out hmm. and um which was impressive and but those guys and i think of all their success michael frails who was this in some ways a very he wasn't super tall he was, his frame and wasn't big like tony nelson's and he's a three-time all-american you know he's an he's a, a genius and um, he's still around he still comes in and rolls with guys but those guys the, they're mentally so tough that you, when you talk to them whether it was Schiller on um, Brett Farr like they say things that when you're sitting there that other people like are like well I'm not going to come here like I mean sometimes parents come in and say well you know where's my son going to fit like where what weight is he going to be how do you see him fit in like you know like what about this guy what about
0: this guy and if and, you can't make our lineup, how do you expect to win a national championship? Right. Like, so that's like that's the thing that I, I tell my son, look, we got a real good wrestling team here. We got a real good wrestling team here. Palais, California is we're pretty darn good. And he says to me, he goes, Well, you know, maybe next year I do that. I do listen to me. If you can't meet like your goals are very big in this sport, if you can't make the team then you haven't – you're not close to your goals yet, period. The end. I don't care if we're number four in the country. It doesn't matter. Your goal is to be a national champion, Then so be it. That's fine. You might not make the team. Sorry. But you're in the right spot, right? Like, you're in the right spot. You know you're in the right spot, right? Because we could have stayed in Central Texas, and he could have probably gotten dates with the prom queen just because he'd be undefeated and and this and that, you know? Uh, But – it is what it is, man.
1: You're exactly right. And uh Tony Nelson, you know, there's uh Ben Burrow who um lots of trice in overtime, hadn't won, was gonna be an all-American the year before. And then that's who Tony as a freshman has to beat out is Ben Burrow. Like I mean, there was no doubt he had to look and say, wow, this is this could be challenging. And uh, you know, Cole Conrad and um um Lowney was here, you know, Olympian mm-hmm. and and took third at the Olympics and like he would have to beat these guys out. Like, so these guys are coming in uh, and all these guys are coming in with people in front of them. But you said it perfectly. Like they're there for the right reasons. They're there not just to make the team, but when I make the team, I want to compete for a national title is what they thought. And, and you know, it's hard to beat a guy like that. And we have guys in our team right now, like based on, you know, the different year we had guys transfer out and we lost some guys or some guys graduate or, you know, a guy like Block is comes back for a six year. Like, there was shifting parts. Uh, we thought Gable was going to be back. You know, we moved Jared. Garrett Jones who was at heavyweight down to 97 and then he's not back. So there was like some shifting things. But the one thing is that's common with a lot of these guys that are coming through that weren't even the blue chips in high school. Now that I see are coming through and having big wins for us. They just have a really strong belief. They're not afraid of failure. Like some people avoid it. Right. Like, like, like you're saying, like, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to do this. Like, I'm worried about the consequences other people just look at it as an opportunity to learn and get better. And that's the mindset of these heavyweights. I feel like that's the way they thought and everyone, it doesn't matter if you're heavyweight 97, 25 across the board. Like if they have that type of thinking, those guys go on to be really successful.
2: You've talked a lot about mindset and you know, how crucial it is to the success of, you know, the athletes that you've had there how much of having the right mindset and and mental toughness is something that a kid shows up with versus something that can be developed or taught?
1: I there's no doubt. I think they have this. They have to have the ability. Like you know, you see kids that have sometimes found ways to lose. Like I've watched kids mm-hmm. in high school, a great wrestler, and like they find a way to lose, and you see that um, carry through with those individuals sometimes into college and sometimes it sometimes never changes. So, you know, it's really, really difficult, like the way that they're thinking and processing, but, um, but I believe that you can develop it and build off of it. But I think the environment that the kid in has to be really healthy. They have to feel like they're in a real safe spot. I think that's one thing our, our uh, staff does really well is that we make the guys know that we care about them. Like it's hard not to talk about winning. Like we, we do, like, even when we say, Hey, we're not talking about winning. We're talking about effort. We're talking about, these things like that comes up. And as humans, we, you think about the W all the time, but you can't, you gotta, like the goal is really what is the processes and mindset that you could put in place to help develop you to help develop you to, to compete at the highest level. So that the W comes, you know, like, but that's like the afterthought. It's just a
0: very difficult. Right. So hold on a second now, because Joel and I are actually having a private conversation as you're speaking. And I know that that's rude, but it's, it's true. And here's the thing, you know, we all know those kids that find a way to snatch a loss out of the jaws of victory. (laughs) They do it uh, too often. How, what, like, is there a step-by-step process that you go through or does it have to be case-by-case because there has to be like a couple things that like, Hey, all right, what is your pre-match routine? What like what, what is your go-to kind of speech or you know question that you ask a kid that finds a way to lose these freaking close ones, man?
1: Yeah, because it 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 does become habit, I oh. think that you know it becomes this bad habit. And the thing that they don't want to have happen is what paralyzes them in the match. And then and then it happens right and they sense it happen you can see it as a coach or as a spectator like whoa it's happening um I think the like the I think it's individual but I think the important thing is whoever's really close like you got to have a connection with the individual that you're mm-hmm. talking with whether it's uh, the coach or a teammate and and the guy's got to feel safe that he can be open openly talk to you about it or I think you just got like explain the process like sit down let them talk. Um, about what you're seeing happen there, and and I think in some ways, like to be the best competitor, if you if you you know, like just being critical but also honest with them because you care yeah. about them. Just, when you see a guy find a way to lose, like it, it, if you can if you can go through a match with them and show them like in this process here, half the match you wrestle this way and good things are happening, and then near the end, like we make them a sick. We all know like what's the easiest time to score. Sometimes it's like with 30 seconds left in a match. You're down by one. It's like the easiest time to score Mm -hmm. because the other guy does the, he stops wrestling, right? He stops wrestling. And I think that we've all seen that. So even this athlete that finds a way to, to lose his match, he's seen other people do that. He could point it out, but if you can, you know, depict to them, they don't have to, it's just a decision. Usually it's they're worrying about things that they can't control if you can get them to focus on the process and like the things they need to do, if they can somehow keep their, their uh, focus on like the, the most important thing, winning the next battle, like getting inside tie whatever it would be, but wrestling an exposition. Like if you can get them to start doing baby steps that way, like, but sometimes they just don't know what to do. So to, to tell
0: no, that's me, that's fair. That's fair. Doing
1: this, it's hard to do. But if you tell me what to do, then tell me what to do. Well, you, you know, like whatever it is, like, you're attacking you're doing these good things happen and we don't have to put ourselves in danger or wrestle foolishly but sometimes i think as parenting you know i do it as a parent all the time i say hey stop doing this stop doing this and i've read a million books
2: and i know it's
1: fact like, that is not a good way to coach not a good way to
0: parent well i'm parent no you, it's you not need
1: to, like help me understand and and help me see or let me maybe explain myself why these are the things i could have done better Yeah, and then help me through that process. But I need to know what I should be doing versus just pull what what
0: I should not do. Yeah, that's interesting because it's like one of the things that I see a lot in athletes like that is their body language changes. Their body language changes. I'll give you a an example. You know, don't get ridden out. Don't get ridden out for a full period. Don't get ridden out, and then. 30 seconds in to the second period when they're on bottom, they're sprinting back to the center to get a restart. But 90 seconds in when they've been ridden for 90 seconds, now they're fixing their headgear and now they're fixing their socks. And now they're looking down at the ground on the, on those restarts. And it's very obvious. It's very, very obvious that man, some, these are decisions like you can, you can control that. You can control the way that you react to a restart, even if you are frustrated as heck because you've just been ridden for ninety seconds, man. Put, but putting the the emphasis on what to do makes a boy that makes a whole lot of difference. It really does, yeah. man. Because we can't. <clears throat> How many times have you have you heard you know youth coaches or whatever go, "Don't do that! Don't do that! Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. not helpful, dude. That's not helpful." <laughs> It's hard not to
1: say Russell, right? Like it's hard. I, do, the time. To get, you, I do all the freaking time. There's a million million things you could say, but you do have to wrestle and. Uh...
0: I'm going to defend that one. I'm going to defend that one because there are times where you need to be reminded to continue to react in the way that you're reacting. Wrestle yeah. means just keep doing what you're doing. Right. Don't stop. Like don't. So I'm going to defend that one. Yeah, because I'm coordinating. Arr. <laughs> yeah I,
1: yeah again I, I think the mindset of the kid is everything and and um i think it's big in recruiting you know i think sometimes it's in the recruiting process people will tell you what they want to hear and mm. uh, you know yeah on both ends it's, it's coming from both sides whether it's the recruiting and i think if you can have a really good relationship with the kid and you can and you can sit down and break through some of those things and find out the things that they need that they can be honest like this is what i need to succeed you know and, and if your program has those things, I think that fit and being honest in both ends is going to be a really positive experience for them. And, and we know in wrestling, whether it's, I mean, your level at high school, like those kids are amazing, like the best in the country, or whether whether you're just at an average high school, um, mm-hmm. you're an average wrestler in high school right now as a, a underclassman or a senior, or you Division One level, we know that wrestling is going to be difficult. And I think when guys understand, hey, there's plenty of ups and downs. I don't care how successful you were in college, like when you could, or in high school. When you come to college, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. And the sooner that you understand that, and the sooner you understand that these these downs, these ups and downs, like how you handle them and how you respond to them, is going to have your biggest is going to be the biggest uh, part of your success. If you're going to grow, like those
0: are the biggest jumps for sure. No basically. question. No question. I see him, my son. You know. Like I go, why are you so upset when you lose? Like, like I, I go, I. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because what are you talking about? He's like, I just lost, ah, and and he starts like yelling. I'm like, when have you made the biggest gains in your wrestling career? He's like, and then he gets like really angry again. He's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. But he knows. Like intellectually. So now it's just a matter of seeking that stuff. We're literally hunting losses as much as possible. We're hunting losses. And when I say we, I mean him and the people around him, not just, you know, not just yeah. him, like the, the kids that are like-minded are like, Oh yeah, this is, doesn't matter. Like if I go put a phone, th- because he coach Myers, my son's not starting, uh, obviously he's a freshman. Uh, uh-uh. but Coach Myers puts the second and third string kids in against local dual mates. Right. And he should, because there's no reason to burn weigh-ins for some of these kids. Um, And like, you know, our guys are going out there and teching everyone. Like, like we're our second string is pretty darn good. And so now it's like, okay, how do I find you second string guy? Somebody to lose to like, okay, now we have to be, we have to be as excited to lose as the, you know, because the 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 A team, well, that's easy, right? You're, they're going to the best competitions in the in the country. That's easy to find losses there, you know. Yeah. So it's like we got we got to find we got to actively find losses for you guys. And and I think once you shift that mindset, oh man, it's 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 really fun. It's fun because now it's not even a it's not even about it's not even about the the wrestling it's just like compete go compete uh with yourselves so that's that's a lot of fun now how do you see that in a recruit because you can you can ask all the right questions and like you said half of them are blowing smoke because they want to be recruited but how do you find that in a kid that you're recruiting
1: yeah i think i mean you can see it in tournaments and stuff like the way guys compete i think um like where, when they put it on the line, like there's some kids that you know, like you see, like you're getting to the spot where they're going to become juniors, and there's a lot of pressure, and everyone's thinking about the scholarship and their offer, and you can see some guys they just come off of like a really good tournament, and and you wonder like, wow, this guy hasn't competed in a while, is he is he is he protecting you know mm-hmm. this like till he's all of a sudden then they
0: Jared they, Lawrence they, and I had the exact conversation this yeah. morning. Jared Lawrence and I had the exact conversation this morning. Sorry, go ahead. Because it happens a lot more now. Right. Thanks, William Flo.
1: In coaching,
0: we see it too. Like,
1: we're wondering, like, how come this guy isn't competing? Well, you know, he's the number one guy. Like, how come he's not competing? Every now and then you see that, you make you wonder, like, is he injured? Is there, it could be a million reasons. Doesn't mean that he's, that um, he's dodging anything. But at the same time, um, you know, some guys do that and they'll commit. And then they're open to compete again. But you see other guys, it's like, wow. This guy's throwing it on the line time after time after time. So as long as they're healthy and doing that, like, you know, that they have that mindset. It's some guys like they probably compete way too much, you know, like they need to dial it back at times, but um, that's, you know, each individual can do it the way they want, but I can see it as uh, when they compete, like how they are, like when they come with a loss, like how do they respond back to it? Um, Yeah. You can see how guys, some guys, you can just tell, like it's like what you guys said like your motives or your motivation for whether it's these, you know, guys go out to compete, like they should be chasing, you're not, whether you're chasing losses, but they have that open mind. Like I'm going to try to compete against the best person because really my goal is so far from here. Like it's, you know, it's not about winning a state title, high school state title, or making this high school state team. Like ultimately if they have these steps and they're goal oriented and they create this process with, through their daily yearly goals, if they're really setting goals, they're going to start, you think they're going to start thinking that open mindset and come up the offensive, I'm um, wrestling the position where I need to get better, like all those things. And, and um, yeah, that, I guess that's kind of how we see it. And then when you sit down and talk with kids, some kids, you can just tell, like, again, like you, you could be, maybe the guy's just saying all the right words, but there's certain guys just talk about it and you can tell they love wrestling, like mm-hmm. they're their passion, they care about the questions they're asking. Like it's one, okay, you're interviewing us about art, we're interviewing you, but then they come out you can see like in, at dinner with that recruit, they still, you see where their heart is and like their heart is in wrestling, you know? And and, and when I was a competitor, I remember it was easy to work hard and compete and, and get the extra workouts in because like, I love rest. you know? And then mm-hmm. like to become a coach and it's like, wow, like how do I get back to figuring out these principles and these different methods and basic skills and stuff? that I think helped, you know, me and the other coaches were talking about the things that helped us be successful. How do we, how do we do that and lay this into our foundation of how we coach and teach so that our guys can come out and do that same thing? Because I didn't like losing. I felt pressure at times. I tightened up a lot of different times. And like, I know some of the thoughts that were going through my head and some of the things I was thinking about. And I know the times that I competed better, you know, and now we get a chance to pick the brains of Gable Stevenson and and all these other guys that are around. So it's, it's been nice to, it's hard to understand sometimes where they're at, like the confidence within them is you see that, but guys like Kyle Dake and them, they have something that even though they're all different like personalities, like at the Mm -hmm. Olympics, I was like, man, there's a lot of guys that are thinking the same way here. It was, it was just awesome um, that year at the Olympics with COVID like, Families weren't around, which sucked for the families. But we were in this hotel with these high-level thinkers, David Taylor, all these guys, and they're all just sitting there and they have no one else to communicate and talk with or take their time with. So they're all together all the time. And it was, it was just uh intriguing to
0: to listen and learn. That's pretty that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum then. So if 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 what you're looking for in a recruit is that when they compete, they're they're competing uh, with passion and, and you, you they wrestle on the back end and they're 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 not protecting. If if that's the the positive thing, now there has got to be a red flag that you see, whether it be in through the interview process, like you said, um whether it be watching them compete what is the biggest red flag that you see with a recruit when you go, mm, this kid might, you know, his best wrestling might be behind him?
1: I I think you can see sometimes when guys are feeling pressure and that it has, like, the impact it has on them when they compete. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can see guys really shut down. And I, I think that's something that I always fear because the mind is a really – um difficult like if they're in the right place and that they they're not so brutally hard like it's good to be critical of yourself but you also mm-hmm. gotta have some forgiveness and be able to go out there and continue to work and stuff but I think you can see some guys are so focused on the winning part of it that regardless like how they're wrestling they they may shut down but even if they win the match they're they're excited about it they're happy mm-hmm. about it you now you can tell it's really they're just focus solely on getting their hand raised. And I know at the division one level,
0: a lot of wins there. You win.
1: really difficult.
0: Yeah. yeah. You got to win there though. Right. But yeah, but, but it's, I mean, man, that's tough. That's yeah, tough. I, it's, it's
1: hard to, it's hard to,
0: you know, like, again,
1: we talked about it when guys are coming in and they're worried about the, the situation being completely perfect for yeah. them. Like they have to be able to see the opportunities that are like when you recruit them that are at your program for them, they got to believe in the themselves and they got to be okay with being tested. Like we want guys that are going to come in and, and going to fight for the spot. And I think like you have to, as a coach, you have to know that anybody has an opportunity to develop here and become the guy. It doesn't matter well, what your name was or how many um, badges you have or medals coming out of high school. Like when you come here, like you have the same opportunity as anybody else. You work hard, you do things right. Like you're going to get noticed by the coaches and sometimes those guys, they're late bloomers, but because of their work ethic. And sometimes the guys that didn't get exactly what they wanted in high school or elementary or didn't win everything. Sometimes those guys are still chasing it and they've had a deal with, um, not, not with not having the very top level success and they keep working hard. Like, it's like, wow, this guy's going to be a grinder and a goer. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I remember even when my son was really young, like I remember the first time um, he won a state title, it was like third or fourth grade, and he won a state title and he was so excited. He'd been dreaming about this forever. And I sat down with him and I said, this is probably gonna be shocking to you a little bit because I'm so proud of you. But I said, a part of me is hurting a little bit here because I love it when you had to chase this thing. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that like moment with him and um, um, saying to him, because like this is, you, you to be the best, you gotta be able to be on top. You gotta be able to perform when you're the guy expected, but but I also know I want the guy that's gonna be chasing, continue to work there. And sometimes guys in high school that haven't got it, that we've all watched and say, well, look at how hard this guy trains. Look, how-. He's never discouraged. Like he's upset, frustrated. You could tell can mm-hmm. in the worst way, but it only brings him back the next day. You know, he's calling you on a Sunday saying, hey, I want to come in I want to work. You're like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to have a day off the mat here. Nope, nope, like I've been watching film. It's sometimes you gotta like, you know, it's, it's, um." Help those guys too. make sure that those
0: are good them. problems to have, but that's the kind of problem you want, right? Yeah,
1: the guy that goes on to do amazing things. That's, you know, th- those are some of the guys I think about when I think of why a guy like Colt Conrad and Tony Nelson and, and Brett Barr and Scott Schiller, like end up being some of the best guys in the country at that time. It's because that's how they, they believe passionately want to win. Like um, they have the strongest desire. They hate losing, but they're willing to put the time in and do the things right. And so, Um, yeah, that's what you, I think that's what you look for.
0: Are there questions that you can ask? Are there, are you like, so I, I, a good friend of mine is a high level executive at Qualcomm and he has to interview hundreds of people. Right. And he's like, oh, I throw landmines in there all the time. Like I throw, like, depending upon how you react to these questions, I, know whether you're a good fit for for us are there questions that you ask during the recruiting process that kind of throw up either red flags or they're like big green flags like oh this kid is for real
1: yeah i mean a lot of times we ask guys about like what like what's going to help them succeed here number one you know like what do they need and so we listen to like some of the things that they say like you can kind of tell what's like at, at their heart like so they'll talk about wrestling how really into their wrestling are they like are they paying attention so some of them are really give you a a lot of insights like wow this guy's really really dissecting his wrestling you know because we've watched a ton of film on them already we see maybe where their strengths are on top bottom so like usually the guys are spot on like they're seeing the same things we are and they're saying it so i'm like well they're 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 really reflecting on on themselves properly but the other thing is i think just ask them what's important to them what they're looking for in a in a program too.
2: So the one thing that's important to us is like
1: guys that talk about like they they don't just talk about themselves all the time. They also talk about the team and like what they can do. And you can just tell like like they're there to help make make the program to make everybody around them better. And I do think like you have to be selfish to be great. There's no doubt about it. But those types of kids are the ones that I feel like really excel for us because they reflected on themselves. They know exactly what they, I mean, they really looked into where they need, they're not afraid to criticize themselves and, and dissect themselves a little bit. At the same time, you can see that they're there to help other people. And I think often, like, when you look over at the bench and you see these team and these people that you truly care about, they're like brothers to you. Like, a lot of times when you're ready to give up or your heart's pounding and you you can't squeeze your hands, you know, you're just, legs are tired, your back, like, you're just, you're, you're, you're thinking, oh, maybe the wrong things at times. And you look over and you see that and you'll do things for other people more than you would for yourself. That's a difference maker. You hear stories of moms lifting cars off babies and all these crazy stories they could never do. You know, like, I think like that is very empowering and we want kids that are that are gonna be here for the team, you know, and, and in the event, the environment here is better for everybody. Everyone's happy, everyone's working hard or, you know, there's there's always ups and downs, but.
2: Sure. I'm sure you've, uh, you know, seen several kids throughout your years of coaching that, you know, start off the season well, and then, you know, maybe run into a little adversity during the season. And, you know, one of the things you talked about was confidence being important being able to kind of maintain that confidence and believe in yourself. What's your approach to, you know, coaching a kid that maybe has run into that point in the season where they maybe lost their confidence and, you know, their wrestling or their development?
1: Yeah, I think. I think the biggest thing, like yeah, wrestling, you can you can have one win and you can get right back on track. You, you know what I mean, like. But you're right, you can be in a, have a lot of close losses and you could really be hard on yourself. And all of a sudden, it's it's almost more difficult to pick it up. I think for some of these guys, it's just continue to support them. And and for us as the coaching staff, it's to tell them like, listen, like your effort was great, and that's one of the the most important things. If their effort was there and they didn't win. You have to be really positive and on point with that. I think you have to let them know right away. Because all of a sudden I'm walking off the mat. I'm expected because I didn't get my hand raised, I didn't win the match. That you know, I'm already thinking there's nothing that you could tell me I did wrong that probably haven't thought about a thousand times. But in those moments, when you come to me and you say, Man, I just want you to know these are the things that you did really well. You know, I'm proud of you here, your effort was here. Like we like here, maybe you wrestled in a spot or you. You got outside your wheelhouse here. You tried something that isn't typical of you. And in this point, like, look at this, like we, I use Garrett Joel's, like he was wrestling his match against Nebraska. We could win this duel. We have it locked down. Like our guys have wrestled amazing. He wrestled a great match against the big, you know, returning big 10 champion. And you can see as the match wears on, it's going in his favor. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. He's riding the guy. I think it's about 40 seconds. He jumps over the top, locks up a cradle on the guy. Now I've never seen him do the cradle before. He locks it up, he slips off and the guy gets away. If he he, he could have wrote the guy for the next minute and a half, or next minute and 20 seconds, or at least for another 30 40 seconds. Like it was a very controlled spot when he jumped there. And I think he could have won the match right there. And so I bring that up. I said, you know, that is something like to be great, you got to know where your strengths are and you 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 have to wrestle in those areas. And you have to you can practice in other areas, you can get better in other areas. But when you wrestle a match against somebody you're not supposed to win, but like you got to stay focused. You got to wrestle in that area and you got to stay in that area. Look what, what you did in this situation against the Rutgers match. Like, uh, you know, it's a week later or whatever. He's wrestling um, the number eight guy in the country. Very good match. It, as the match goes on, he does a good job. He does some basic defense stuff very well. Some good attacks, good pace. As it's going on, I can see that he's getting stronger. At the very end of the match, they get in one position. He almost does an outside, like a lateral drop. He's never, I've never seen him do this before. He almost does it. And I'm about ready to pull my hair out. I kind uh-huh. of, but he doesn't. And he gets away from it. And then later he gets into a high crotch, uh, a go behind high crotch and he finishes in overtime. And he has this big win. If he had tried that, he would have lost. And it reminded me of, of the cradle, but he made that. So we talked a little bit about it, but that's, that's what I think that you have to do. You have to get guys to focus in on like the things they did well. So after I lose, like as a coach, you go to the guy and you talk to him. And if if their effort wasn't there, like you can't make up things that weren't. But if they were no. things right but didn't maybe wrestle like their best match, like those are things that they're gonna understand. And pretty soon they're like, wow, the like coach is talking to me about these things I did well. Like all of a sudden the fear and the negativity that comes with losing, you wow. start to diminish them. Pretty soon I can be a competitor for you as a coach.
0: Yeah. Steve Neal talks about it constantly, constantly. He's like, you have to wrestle where you're good, where you're good. Right. Cause t- look, let's be honest. Right. A guy like Steve Neal, he was so fast and so mobile as a heavyweight. You didn't want to get tied into underhooks with this. Like he's like, I- I'm not messing around with underhooks. Forget that. I'm staying on the outside where I can blow your doors off. You know, and he he talks about that all the time. He's like, I I could. It's it's easy for me to go wrestle in underhooks because you know you kind of get like that. You get to lean on somebody sometimes. You can wrestle a little differently. He's like, but I can't. He's like, that's not where I'm good. It's it was a much harder way to wrestle, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. Okay, we got to bring this thing home, brother. Um, know, we're gonna fire off a couple quick questions for for you at the end here. And I don't want you to think about them. I just want you to answer. All no, right. Not
1: good oh. at games. No, you're fine. Not good you're, at these games. Have a
0: good time. Yeah. Best wrestling shoe in history. Go. Um.
1: Well, A6 split sole tube. Oh, I like
0: that. I like it. Okay. I like those two. Um, that was like one of my first pair of wrestling shoes. That's old school. Yeah, it is. Um, those were great. Okay. If you had a magic wand, and you could change one thing about the sport of wrestling what would it be
1: um judgment calls
0: really so stalling's <laughs> gone no that's great no i love this stalling's gone yeah the step I,
1: the step out on the line that one's like i hate this one like like sometimes you push me out and you get called for stalling and sometimes it's the action, and I'm like, oh, I can't take this anymore.
0: It's maddening. It's maddening. We get this
1: I, all the time, and I'm like, I don't even like. I don't even know if I can. I, I, this is a big call in this match. I'm like, and I it's guess- a big
0: call. I will take it. I guess we got to take it, but it's it's a bunch of crap, is what it is. Yeah, there needs to be a hard and fast rule. And by the way, if we're gonna be completely honest, I, I know like we're trumpeting the the step out rule, the grounded rule, in freestyle is nonsense too. It's nonsense. If your foot goes out of bounds, it's one. Or it's not. Whatever you decide. but Foot goes out of bounds, it's one point. That's it. Period. The end. Sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now. Okay. Good. I love that. I love that, by the way. All right. Who is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Who is on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling?
1: hmm
0: What does that mean? Who are the top four guys? Like if there was a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, who would be the top four guys on Mount Rushmore of wrestling?
1: Well, I'm going to be biased here when I say Gable, but I would put both Gables on there.
0: Okay. Gable and Gable. Love it. Is that, is that Gable Stevenson's first appearance on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah, it is all right. I love it. No, Joel and I. Joel keeps track of all of these. By the way, go ahead. Yeah, um, you'd have to put
1: kale on there.
0: I yep. believe. Mm-hmm. What, I'm at three, mm-hmm. one more. This is where everyone gets a little bit.
1: It's tricky. I mean, I'm putting down Burrows. Yeah.
0: Look, I say it all the time. If you want the definitive list, everyone's going to have a different list, but here's the definitive one. Gable, Smith, Kale, JB. Like, that's like the – I
1: forgot I, Smith. I can't believe I but forgot.
0: But you see what I'm saying, though? Like, everyone's like – and that's because I put pressure on you. I'm, like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Interview. But, if I had thought about it, I would. Right. But but do you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, that's – I mean, yeah, Gable, Stevenson, sure. 100. I said Gable, just, you know, like – yeah, but 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 the truth is look it, we're gonna if we're gonna uh, talk about a no. complete athlete I've I've never seen like the things that he did and, and I'm I'm not taking anything away from this athlete. In fact, I, I'm actually I wanna recommend, I, I wanna commend the kid. Trent Hilger is such a good athlete, and Gable Stevenson picked him apart one time. Multiple times, but one time in particular, I just remember Gable going to like that split step and just picking his ankle up and going, That's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because that's a 240 something pound man. Yeah. That you're literally just grabbing his shoe and saying, This is mine. You don't get to step on this anymore. And I was like, Well, he's operating at a different speed.
1: Yeah, he's so explosive. I mean his ass is like this big and right like, <laughs> there. Yeah, when you get that guy underneath you, it's it's a problem. But uh, yeah, about
0: I, I the podcast. But. oh, I should get Gable. I didn't. Yeah, definitely. We should definitely get Gable on the podcast. All right, you should. You should anything else, uh, Joel? Before we go,
2: no. But if you want to know our current Mount Rushmore rankings, it's number one, Kale. Number two, Jv. Number three, John Smith, and number four, Dan Gable. Wow. That's it. That's it. Yeah.
1: And so now um now Gable Stevenson
2: owes me because I
1: got him on the list. So that's
0: it. He's on there. My Gable. Team.
1: Yeah, he's indebted to me now. But well, thank awesome. you guys for everything. It was awesome catching up with you guys. Good luck.
0: Thank Good you time. very much, Coach. I appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Yeah. We'll see Thanks you guys. Thanks so
0: much.